Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sophie. I'm Yelly. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. Welcome to our musical edition of March, Media Fatness. Four weeks of movies, books, and media to close out season six. Today's episode is Hairspray with Fat Culture Sommelier Abby. If you like it or even love it, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash she's all fat pod for bonus weekly fatty film school minisodes. Now here's the episode. We are here with friend of the pod, Abby, to talk about classic of the 20th century film stage film again, Hairspray. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to be a friend of the pod. (laughs) What's your relationship with Hairspray? How did it start? So I was a musical theater kid, big time. (laughs) My friends and I, we hated gym class. We used to sing songs from Wicked and Hairspray while we had to run laps to make it through. We were just three fat gals trying to get along (laughs) in this world. That's so fun. But yeah, so I, I was really into Hairspray in high school and then I just hadn't really ever revisited it maybe since... I wrote about it a little in my master's, but I haven't thought about it for a while. What about you? I, until prepping for this episode, had never seen the original ever. So that was really fun to watch. But I saw Hairspray the movie when it came out. And I don't think I remember much about, like, I didn't think much of Mm -hmm. it. I just remembered it. And then I liked the soundtrack fine. But I have a lot of thoughts about it now, for sure. Yeah. So it was really fun watching the John Waters one because I've never seen it before. Yeah, I had only seen, so my John Waters knowledge is like middling at best. Like I've seen like Pink Flamingos and I've seen a bunch of clips from some of the stuff with Divine and like I've seen the infamous clip where Divine eats dog poop. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. Uh Uh-uh. Well, don't worry. (laughs) No spoilers (laughs) for what's to come. I've seen Crybaby. That's like the only other John Waters Mm. film I've seen, I think. How did you think? So like neither of us having a ton of John Waters, you know, background, like when you watch this, did you still feel like you were like, yes, this is a John Waters movie? I mean, it definitely had a very distinct flavor to it. It has like an auteur's touch, we'll say. Like there's a very distinct point of view, you know, the same way that like Beetlejuice has a very distinct point of view. Like a Wes Anderson film has a specific point of view. So clearly there's that. And also I was like, okay, John Waters is that kind of guy. Because like a lot of the movie is like shock kind of stuff or like white people saying words. And then I'm like, oh my God. Like it's clearly supposed to make you feel uncomfortable from some of it. Yeah, so like for those who don't know, the Hairspray films there's the 1988 film and then that film did okay and then it 
was made into a musical in the early 2000s and then it was made into a musical film in 2007. It follows this girl called Tracy Turnblad. Uh, It's set in 1962 in Baltimore, Maryland. And Tracy is just this like upbeat fat gal who really wants to be on this hot, cool dance show, the Corny Collins show. Ma, it's changing out there. You'll like it. People who are different, their time is coming. And as a result, she ends up becoming an activist. Should we call her that? (laughs) Maybe that's generous. Sort of. (laughs) It's weird because she's both, like, very ignorant. Like, Mm. the fact that she's, like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed makes her, like, willing to go to bat for other people. Like, the other white people are like, no, there's too many (laughs) risks involved. And then she's like... I gotta stand up for my friends, or like what <laughs> yes. you know. It's like very. It's like she's like if like Minnie Mouse married. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who would you? Who is it? If I put in Minnie Mouse, who would you put her with to make Tracy? Miss Piggy. Oh yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Because yeah. there's a bit of an edge there and a bit of a like self confidence yeah. there, a little sexuality. Yeah. That Minnie doesn't have, but yeah. then there's the unfailing optimism. <laughs> Just like cheerfulness. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. These are really different films. Yeah, I didn't even know that the John Waters was like, oh, it's not a musical. Like, I literally had knew nothing about the first one. <laughs> kind of disappointed. So the first one's not a musical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because both films really talk a lot about, like, they kind of conflate fatness and race in a way that is interesting, but also uncomfortable. Like, yeah. they don't talk about fat black people at all. They just have, like, these two fat white characters. And then the, a lot of the talk is, like, people who are different. And it's, like, different from what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like fat people and black people? Like, okay, sure, I guess. Sort like, of. I guess on like a scale of oppression, like fat people and black like, people both really exist little. on that scale. <laughs> like, But it's like, it's just this weird differentiation mm. between, it's like black fat people also exist, yes. you know? I feel like that's an attitude that I see you know, even like you yeah. know about the stereotypes of how like it's worse, quote unquote, for white fat women because like their bodies aren't appreciated in the same way as black bodies are, which is absolutely right. made up. Which is total yeah. bullshit. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's meaningless, right? Yes, 100%. I think there's two really different ethoses in these films about the way that they put fatness next to race. Like I would argue that like, so the eighties film, because it's this like such a campy, it's very campy, like true camp, right? Like really at the heart of that thing. That's like so genuine and like so over the top, but also kind of DIY aesthetic. Like you can tell there's a budget, but you can also tell that it's not a big budget. Right. And you can feel that like the like performance that he's getting out of them is like just stilted enough to make everything sort of like because that's what camp does right is make everything like separate so that you see the performance of everyday life basically yes so you see that like everyone's performing all the time and tracy i have told you about that hair all ratted up like a teenage jazabelle oh mother you're so 50s Tracy's flamboyant flip is all the rage, Miss Edna. Jackie Kennedy, our first lady, even rats her hair. But Tracy ain't no first lady, are you, Tracy? No, sorry. She's a hair hopper. That's what she is. Now, I've got nothing but hampers of ironing to do, and my diet bill is wearing off. And that's definitely true in the 80s film. Whereas, like, the Thousands film, the 07 film, I think is, like, I mean, it's a 2007 movie, so it is, like, bubblegum. Like, it's, I don't even think it's campy. I think it's just pure... 
optimism. No, it's just a movie musical. Yes, yes for sure. It's very, very optimistic and very bright. And it's still fun. I have a good time. But it takes away some of the sharpness of the other one. I was wondering how they would deal with it because a huge point of the movie is like segregation in this show mm. and how they combat that and blah, blah, blah. But in the John Waters film, there's so many racial slurs like so many and it's uncomfortable. <sighs> There's quite a bit. It's uncomfortable. And so they don't quite do that. They like make characters racist in the remake, but mm-hmm. like in a more fake way. It's very much like in the remake, racism is what we love to believe that racism is in yeah. this side of the century, right? It's like Michelle Pfeiffer saying you got to go the white way, like the very <laughs> yeah. obvious way. James Marsden is like, don't you mean the right way? And she's like, isn't that what I said? Exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, like, okay. it's so safely racist because it's evil. Yes. Right. And I think that like, you know, John Waters says in interviews sort of after the fact, because Hairspray, I mentioned, but it comes out to like, a medium-sized audience. It doesn't flop, but it's not a huge success. And then it sort of has a period of being forgotten about. And then like many cult movies, it like slowly enters dialogue again. But so like people start asking John Waters questions about it, understandably, like as it starts to pick up sort of a cult following for its campiness and for its sort of like what it's doing to the nostalgia film, because the 80s is a time where we're starting to see a lot of 60s nostalgia, which is pretty common because people are making films about their own childhoods from an adult perspective, right? So we see that now, like we're starting to see early thousands films and TV. You know, you have like American Graffiti coming out and like these films that are really unabashedly white and nostalgic for this era that's like really centered around race. There are all these movies that absolutely just completely dissolve race out of the dialogue. And so like with a little distance of time from the eighties, but like not as much distance as we have now, people are starting to say like, John Waters, do you feel like this was a really like incisive critique? And he's like, no, it was like the easiest critique I could have made. He's like, there's nothing, this is a paraphrase, but like there's nothing more toothless than writing a story about like integrating a dance show in 1987. (laughs) You know, he's like, it's not like, that's kind of the point, but like, it's not a good movie in that way. Like it doesn't do anything that like special or meaningful, you know, which like maybe at the time he kind of felt that it did, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, that is a good ability to reflect as a like white director. Like, are you pushing boundaries Mm. or are you just having your actors say (laughs) racial slurs? (laughs) Yeah. Like like, there is a conversation having in it. It's just not a super advanced one. And it's still very much from a white point of view, like main characters are white and like definitely it helps her journey, the white character's journey to help black people. That is one thing that is nice about the remake is that even though it's a very, very like musical, very like, you know, tied up with a bow because there's songs like, you know, Seaweed and his younger sister, little and Inez get like more stuff to do. Definitely. Because they get songs, you know, I mean, whether or not we love those songs for what they are, I'm not sure about the black or the berry, the sweet or the juice, for example, as like a, you know, it's a song written by a white guy, you know, still. But equally, I think you're right that like having any voice in it is kind of interesting. But I also feel like 
I don't know. I think there's something to be said for the distance that camp provides in that 80s film. Yeah. Like, so like Tracy's trying to win this pageant once she gets on the Corny Collins show. In the 80s yes. film, it's the like, it's like Miss Otto show, which is hilarious. And it's such a Very like local, funny. you know, news thing. Yes. And in the 2007 one, it's it's a little nicer than that. It's like... It's like Miss Hairspray. Yeah, which is like much... You know, you'd be happy to tell somebody <laughs> about... I Miss Hairspray. Yeah, yeah exactly. I Miss Auto Show 1962 or whatever. But the the one like small difference that I did notice is that like... I think the 2007 one is like a little more just straightforwardly capitalistic than the 80s one. Mm. Even for as flawed as it is, which it is flawed and it's messy. And there's all this stuff about power that's conferred by whiteness that like it is totally true. But I do think that one thing that's interesting is you can tell that like John Waters does kind of prioritize understanding how grassroots activism works in a way that like the 2007 show is a lot more like, what if Tracy suggests that the black people march for their rights? Right. And then they go on this march and then she hits a cop with a (sighs) sign and then and they get all get arrested because she hates a cop with a sign. Except she d- runs yeah, away. Yeah, she runs away. Excuse me. Is there some reason we can't pass by peacefully? I strongly suggest you and your little friends head back to where you come from. Hey, you don't have to be so rude. Tracy. It's all right, Tracy. I can handle this. Excuse me. She was oh, talking to you. Tracy, no. You just assaulted a police officer, miss. All right, boys, let's take the whole lot in. And then later, like Queen Latifah is like, after all you've done for us, I was like, after what? Get them arrested. Like, I got so mad. Furious. Terrible protest etiquette as a white person. Oh my god! <laughs> like we're all told not to right, do that. Right, like, explicitly not to do that. And she's yes. in the front line. Like she's like right up yeah. front, as if she's like some very visible, important ally or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, because for like five mm-hmm. minutes she's been on a dance show and people are into her. Like right, you know. Whereas in in the eighties when she like she gets arrested and she goes to a women's prison and like her parents and a few other folks like work on bailing her out and then like as a result of that sort of a grassroots movement uses her as a figure in order to like make their protest and it's not a perfect usage of that but it is like closer to a truth about how activism can work than like tracy inventing activism for march yeah black people exactly what if we walk down there all together (laughs) i don't know if you ever thought about this um huge room full of people who have been black their whole lives but maybe you should protest yes i did notice that that like this the protest part is much more simplified Mm. and streamlined in kind of a bad way in the new one and it's a very you know i mean john waters isn't wrong to recognize how the story itself is very like bad racists get punished Mm. good white people help like black people make infinitesimal <laughs> progress if progress yeah. is being accepted into whiteness. You yeah, know? If that's the goal. Yeah, I think in the John Waters movie, like in the original, because they're both produced by him or something. Mm-hmm. But in the at least in the first one, like otherness is kind of played around with again problematic that it's like from a white perspective Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like in that like very centering whiteness 
but it made me really uncomfortable in the 2007 one to have it be like people who look different in all sorts of ways and I'm like you're just fat Tracy you're still a white girl yes you're just fat <laughs> I know I put this like, <laughs> like in the 2007 film there's a line where and we will talk about this in a moment John Travolta Tracy's mother says my Tracy regular at last yes. you know and that is what the film is saying is like everyone can be regular you yes. know whereas I think the John Waters film it has a lot of like almost perspective shots that are really uncomfortable of these like straight couples and I think the one thing that it does do as well is that it's very like it notices compulsory heterosexuality like it's picking up on the way that like some people are just like fully and completely like set on this path you know by their parents and like there's a crazy Christian character and it's also very the first movie is more explicitly Mm anti-adult like it's kind of a kid's world definitely in some respect like both of the main moms or parents are very strict yeah let's talk about the character of the moms in these yeah so Tracy's mother Edna Turnblad in the first film is played by Divine who is a longtime friend of John Waters and this is actually Divine's last film he died two weeks after the film came out which is very oh sad yeah divine is a drag queen to yes clarify, yeah. for people yes whose pronouns are he as well so i'm not just just in case i'm not casually yes. misgendering divine but no, like, no. but like divine had worked with john waters a lot and initially they were going to make the movie the 88 movie was going to be divine playing tracy and edna so mother and oh daughter God. which i think would have been actually unwatchable because if you haven't ever watched a divine performance it is the height of camp and discomfort like aesthetic discomfort could you turn that racket down? I'm trying to iron in here. Right? There's like very like arched and messy eyebrows, you know, like half up, half down, sort of greasy hair, very on purpose, you know, this like unpleasant femininity and like quotation marks right like it's like really blowing it up to this like discomfort and extreme and then the 2007 movie was like oh good that role has always been played by a drag queen so let's give it to none other than who john travolta (laughs) it's the worst part of the film like literally it makes no sense okay so watching the john waters film i was like okay now i understand like i get that this character is like you know playing with gender Mm. playing with size playing with again like within the camp universe of this it makes sense right like it makes more sense to be like yeah like part of the point of this is to show how everything is a performance gender is a drag blah blah right. blah, blah, blah and divine is actually fat as well yeah. yes and divine's actually fat but then you have john travolta in a fat suit drag and it's just <laughs> is like why though there's like nothing about that decision that i can understand because like also john travolta <laughs> cannot sing no not or like it's just awful it's like why did you not just hire a drag queen to do this role like or whoever played it on broadway like it's just not first of all john travolta is not fat so there's like this terrible mm-hmm. fat suit and like fat suit on the face that looks like so where bad. do you think okay here's a question i have for you so if the scale is like nutty professor to shallow hell <laughs> where does this fat suit fall oh my god <laughs> oh fat monica should be on there too maybe it's fat monica nutty professor shallow hal that's the order i would put them in i feel like it's closer to shallow hal because of the face part mm. and because it's gender drag also Good i feel point. like yeah something about creating the double chin effect out of like silicone what? is so gross and 
insulting it, to me. Honestly, like, I actually think, like, half of the problems that I have with my double chin are from seeing how other people choose to create double chins. Yes. Right? It's like, that's not how people look. That's not how people no. look at all. It's, I don't have two crescent moons of plastic under my face. No, it's very uncanny valley. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, they make the fat suit really weirdly proportionate mm-hmm. in a way that's supposed to approximate drag but it doesn't it just looks like a weird curvaceous fat suit with john travolta and also here's the other thing is that john travolta and divine give extremely different performances Mm -hmm. john travolta's character is like meek has never left the house is like cheering tracy on divine's character is like mean (laughs) like concerned bizarre weird Yeah. yeah like cares about tracy but is sharp and Divine is much more, that's much more palatable to me because it's so clearly a gender performance. Yes. You know? It's super aware. And it's Divine's body there, like, being used in co- in comedic ways. Yeah. Whereas, like, John Travolta doing it, I'm just like, ah, stop. stop I know, you're John Travolta stop. in there. Like, <laughs> like I see you, you Scientologist. I, I, <laughs> I see you. It. Especially next to, what's her name, who they have play Tracy in the new one, who's so bright and bubbly and little cutie pie yeah. and, like, actually fat. Yeah. It's just, it has no sense of fun to the gender play at all in the new one. There's no sense it's of like that. It's, like, actually, one thing that I hate about that performance and, like, despise outside of the fact that, you know, John Travolta can't sing and the boobs look like two pillows and not at all like boobs. Oh, my God. Which is, like, I guess yes. fine if you if that's what you were trying to do, but it's obviously not what they're trying to do right? Like they're not playing with gender, but it's that like, there's like multiple times where we're supposed to feel sad for her because she's fat in this world. That's like evil. And it's like, no mama, welcome to the sixties where everything's okay. And you can be fat outside, you know? Yeah. It's really sad. (sighs) It takes away everything that's like fun and transgressive about having divine play this character and makes it like a weird weird Hollywood version of the character where it's like, oh, you just have a man play this nice, sympathetic character. Yeah. And it's like, that takes all the teeth out of this portrayal completely. completely. It's so funny to see, like, what pieces they pull from the 88 movie to, like, make into songs. Because most of the songs come from a line someone yeah. says, you know, and then yes. it's expanded upon. There are times where I'm like, oh, what a great one. Like, she says, Mama, welcome to the 60s. And then they make that into a song in the show. And actually, it's a pretty fun song outside of the fact that it's yes. she's singing it with John Travolta for no reason. Yes. <laughs> But like in terms of that mother character, like one of the lines that they use is Divine is like says to her husband, Jerry Stiller, her husband, who wears like mesh shirts over tank tops. It's real cute. Very (laughs) silly. But she says, you know, it's hard out there for girls like us. Like the world's not very accepting of fat girls or chubby girls or whatever she says, which is like 
a reasonable complaint when your daughter wants to be on live television all of a sudden and like, you know, you, her intense mother have had to deal with a bunch of people because you do everyone's washing. And so like people view your body a certain way. Like it's a reasonable concern the way that she phrases yeah. it. Whereas like in the 2007 movie, she phrases that concern and then it becomes the center of her character and all her motivation becomes yes. this like anxiety over how fat she is. And like Tracy yes. becomes the proof of like fatness can be as good as thinness, which is like an argument yes. that I don't care about. <laughs> right. That's not the point yeah. at all. Yeah, exactly. It makes it deeper to have the drag element and to have the performance of, of it just makes it different to have that like pull away that you're talking about yeah. in in the 1988 movie. And it gives you a chance to look at what's being presented, whereas the 2007 one without the camp is much more it's just more pat i like the music from it still and everything you know love queen Latifah. of course love all the <laughs> yeah <laughs> all she's fabulous things, you know? in it. she's great in it as always love her love her new show the equalizer I haven't watched it yet <laughs> oh, tune in oh my god it's so silly i cannot see it making it very far because it's got queen latifah's lead and then another female oh. lead so like i feel like it's gonna get canceled but it's be- just because of racism and sexism <laughs> but i fucking love it tune in oh. Especially if you can boost the numbers with one of those boxes. What are they called when they when they track oh, your wa- yes, what you're watching? The, are they still called the Nielsen? Yeah, sure. Thing? Those yeah. things. If you have a Nielsen box, <laughs> play Equalizer on repeat. <laughs> you know I love a good cop Please, show, please, please. Except she's not a cop. She's an Equalizer. <laughs> Anyways, love Queen Latifah. Big, big fat joy stan of Queen Latifah. Agreed. And she's fun in, in this movie too. I really got mad at that scene where they have her be like, it's okay, you hit the cop and then ran away, Tracy. That pissed me off so It pissed me off. <laughs> too it's really aggravating because you're like queen latifah's character is so cool well looks like y'all took a step out of bounds now, who we got here mama wants you to meet my new friends this is link tracy turnblad this is just so afrotastic and this young lady right here is penny pingleton i'm very pleased and scared to be here oh now honey we got more reason to be scared on your street until you put that record down, you're gonna scratch it. Okay, so once a month, there's quote unquote Negro Day on um, yes. the Corny Collins show. So like, you know, once a month, black people get to dance on screen and, uh, you know, uh, the leader of Negro Day, also that's the last time I'll say it, is she's called Motormouth Maybell. And in this one, she's played by Queen Latifah. And she like is like next in line to the station manager, but just for that one day, basically. Yes. And then she runs what looks to be like a record shop. That's never really made she's clear. She's like a record shop that does dance. All sorts of things. She's just like a community leader of some sort. Which makes a little more sense to me when I saw the 80s film because I was like, oh, I see. So in the 80s film, she runs an underground dance hall that's like got a cover over it that it's a church. And so like that's like where they go and hang out with the cool black kids when Tracy befriends them because they're all different, um, apparently equally different. But she has the coolest hair and the best costumes. She looks amazing. Yeah. But I... Here's the. Th- it also bothers me that they make her be magnanimous. Like she has to yeah. be like the nice, calm, controlled black lady. Yes, and also that she's well in this movie especially. She's not that fat. 
But she is like, mm-hmm. you know, Queen Latifah's chubby. She's chubby, right? Yeah. Especially for TV. You know, she's not Michelle Pfeiffer size. Right. Again, there's another example of like that blackness and fatness intersection not being addressed. Right. At all. Yeah, meaning <laughs> at absolutely all. nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. She does get great outfits, though. I was noticing that during her songs in this movie, I was like, oh, they gave her some great costumes. She looks yeah. cool. Like these flary, flowy, beautiful. I don't even know what they're Almost called. Almost like it's she like a mix like, of a muumuu and a you know and a gown a caftan, I guess. like they're cool yeah. yeah that's the closest thing to camp that we get i would say like are her outfits that's and her fair, hair yeah. like she gets like a 12 inch beehive when we first meet her yes. that's like really wild Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, another weird thing Mm -hmm. is just that, so their school is supposedly integrated, Mm -hmm. the high school that she goes to, but you only see black kids in detention. Okay, (laughs) right? And they're all in detention and all the whole day. Like, I don't understand. Okay, so the plot point in both movies, mm-hmm. Tracy gets sent to detention for having her hair be too mm-hmm. high so the boy behind her can't see. She goes to detention, which I guess is like in this school, it's like you go to detention for the rest of the class period and then you go to your next I class guess. or something like yeah. that. Detention's like a room for bad kids or something like that. <laughs> yep. I don't like, I don't know how detention worked in the 80s. I was like, I thought you got Saturday detention, like the breakfast yeah. club, but I, apparently I don't know <laughs> I anything. Thought I- watched enough films to know yeah right i don't know so she goes to detention and then she walks in the room there's no teacher there and there's just black kids dancing <laughs> can i help you that move swish you got that right the man can die me on the dot of detention so long as he don't start me in my tombs baby does that dance have a name oh this call it the Peyton place after midnight i use it to attract uh, the opposite sex wow that is so groovy. I was like, first of all, that's the first clue you get that the school is integrated. Right. And second of all, why why are they all dancing there? What happened? The black kids just get sent to detention and they dance all day? So it's wild. Like, Absolutely wild. And then we just like never see her in class again. Especially so the one difference in that is like in the 80s film, she is sent to remedial classes and she goes, oh, yeah. she's like, oh, but that's where the and then she throws out a slur. But basically yes. she's like, oh, that's black people go to remedial. Yes, exactly. You know, class or people who can't study 
well. And like, yeah. I guess at least in the 80s film, you could read that as like a real picture Another of whiteness, you know, of like a real, like yeah. Tracy's super white and she like trying to portray that ignorance or something like that. Yeah. And like black folks are not really integrated because they're all in remedial classes, even though whatever. Yeah, I guess I'm not saying that's what it is, but it's certainly better than in 2007 when there's just liminal detention space whenever <laughs> all the time and they're just dancing and, and all the black kids get to live in detention <laughs> rooms. Like I don't understand. It's really odd. It's no and she's in there for very, very weird lengths of time and that's where she gets discovered as well oh yeah and then there's like people who come to the door of the <laughs> detention for her for like her signature yeah. and she's like that's my friend penny she can come into detention it's yeah like, what it's like she doesn't need a slur <laughs> it's so weird so yeah there's a lot of points where i don't know that john waters is the best and you know successive white producers are the best people to tell the stories of integration and yeah I, <laughs> yeah for various yes, reasons it's like a lot of question mark <laughs> things there and also like i'm sure there's been a lot of good writing about that and you know about john waters in general and as always i think it's just like you know we just need more space for black creators to be out there and like doing more of their own work <laughs> I'd much rather watch black created films about like integration or anything else. Yeah, right. At this point, am I wishing that someone would come and make yet another nostalgia film about 60s integration in place of making something that they want to make now because it appeals to a white audience that doesn't have to do any work? Like, not that... Of course, there are, like, wonderful texts made about that era. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just, like, yeah, I think Hairspray has it really easy. Yeah, totally. Because it's, like, who's going to argue? Even the most, like, conservative person that you – well, not the most, but many of the more conservative (laughs) people that you know, this is still palatable because integration is an old story that their parents were mad about and not them. I'm assuming that those people are boomers. (laughs) Yes. And they feel like they know that lesson or whatever. Yeah, and they feel like, oh, you know, like, for example, like, so Tracy's best friend, Penny – her mom is incredibly strict. Well, in the 2007 one, she's like a super evangelical Christian. In the 1988 one, she's just like straight up bold-faced, like terrified of black people to a comical degree. Yes. Like just pure racism, you know, yes. embodied. Just racial animus. <laughs> yeah. Which is like kind of a fun character too. White man! Oh! 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 Somebody please help me! Take it all! Take it! Take it all! Again, the 1988 film has more of these interesting moments of a campification of behavior. And then you get to, like, recognize... It helps you recognize more about it. It helps you see the ridiculousness and, like, the actual stuff that it's parroting or whatever, you know? So Penny gets involved with Motormouth Maybell's son, Seaweed. And in the 80s film, John Waters plays a therapist with, like, a hypnosis wand thing who's, like, (laughs) trying to, you know, get her to be, like, the best white girl she can and, like, solve her problem. Whereas, like, the 2007 one, like beautifully waters it down into like Allison Janney who plays her mom because Allison Janney is the people's mother. Yeah. <laughs> and she like <laughs> she like ties her up and then makes her listen to the Lord's Prayer. Like she's just a Bible yes. banger. Which if you're gonna do that, fine. Right. Explore the the nature of white evangelicalism and the racism there, but it doesn't really do that. It just makes it again easier for a white liberal audience yeah. to be like, we're not Yeah, like we that. can just hang on to these codes. Like and and 
you know, everyone gets punished. Like, even in terms of fatness, like, it's sort of funny what the 2007 one does. Like, in the 88 film, Tracy faces one person who's a jerk to her when she's trying to do the dance-off. And everybody else likes her, and they're all like, you should be on the show. And the girl who's being a jerk gets shoved to the side, and then she just gets to, like, do the show, and everyone's like, yay, Tracy, you're great. And in the 2007 one, it's like, they're all against her. Because by 2007, and given the makers of the film who are not John Waters, so also, like, probably don't have any fat friends. I don't know. I'm just saying it. But like, yeah, we're to the point in 2007 where like, quote unquote, obesity rhetoric is like at such a peak and the war on obesity yes. and this whole idea of it as an epidemic is at this like massive yes. peak. And so it's like inconceivable that Tracy wouldn't face just like a sea of hatred for her body. Yes. You know, yes. which is just like not the stance that the older film takes at all. It's not. I don't have any idea if that's because of John Waters being kind of like a collection of kooks kind mm. of guy, you know, or if it's because of like history, you know what I I mean? I have no idea. I mean, having grown up in the 2000s era when everyone was so (laughs) mean. Just so openly mean. Yeah, it's like, that feels more realistic to yeah. me. But also that was when I was a teenager and like taking in all those messages, you know what I, I know, mean? I know, it's sort of a tricky one where you're like, is this like reframing something to be like understood by the audience that needs it now? Well, also, is this movie for a fat audience? Like, is that what it's right. doing? I certainly was fat and hadn't come to terms with that and Hairspray did not open my eyes to that. Right. Because I think it's it's not really a narrative about fatness. It's a narrative about capitalist individual success. You yes, know, it's 100%. about climbing your way through adversity to end up essentially on top. Cheerfully. Yeah. Happily, without complaint. If you're white, you can make it on top, even if you're fat. Yeah. <laughs> you can get all of your friends to get together and put you in a hollow hairspray can and get the police to send you in oh a battering God. ram, then yes. lock all the doors and get on live television and then integrate the show by pulling a young black girl onto the stage with you to dance and then crowning her Miss Hairspray. It makes no sense. I mean, it makes sense in a musical logic. That's it. It does, right? The stage musical logic makes yeah. sense. That's about we it. We sort of hit those sweeping <laughs> beats of like, because I guess you're right. Like in a musical, there is a little more allowance for things to just be sort of like unsaid and like to have things be like big symbols. And a lot of musicals are about individual success as well. Like that's a really common. Well, I mean, that is true, but that part still could be done better. But plot wise, yes, it's very much like they take the big plot points of the first one and then you take away the rest of you have time for songs. (laughs) I mean, that's just how musicals work because you have to delete a bunch of scenes in order to (laughs) To fit in all the good songs. Sing and dance. Yeah. Yeah. And also because if you're staging something, then you want bigger gestures and bigger symbols mm. than you do in real life. Musical world is similar to drag in that way, That's that it's true. like about these big things. But I mean, especially in America, the American musical tradition is so like Hollywood, white, mm. Rodgers and Hammerstein. Mm. There's like a very specific tradition that it falls neatly within yeah. that kind of elides all of the fun campiness. Not that musical can't be camp. Right. Like there's definitely musicals that are camp. You know, there's Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's, Mm. you know, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. There's all this stuff. But this one specifically is not... It's much more Pat. It's much more Oklahoma. Yeah, it is much more. That's actually, Oklahoma is a great equivalent for this musical. Funnily, yeah. I actually wouldn't have thought about that, but I think you could write that essay, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I'm not getting a PhD. You can write that essay. Fine. I opted out of writing essays. I that don't want to do smart. that anymore. Nobody should ever write essays anymore. <laughs> Why do I do this? Because you're good at it. I would be like, 
Isn't this interesting? Anyways, <laughs> that's like the level of discussion. This is the I problem that I have with writing is that I'm like, I feel like I said it all in this sentence, you know? This is why I do a podcast <laughs> and not paper. So I can be like, right? Am I right? And then we're done with the episode. Yeah. But you know, like I was thinking a little bit about too, like how sort of representation as a whole, we like to, as an American audience, believe that like representation is this like deus ex machina of oppression. Yes. That like if we just represent people enough, then everyone will come around is like a real fantasy that exists in a lot of like American media. And certainly it exists in this too. I think the 80s film and the 07 film have this sort of like aspiration, although I think the 80s film is making fun of it a little bit more. I think they both sort of still have a kind of genuine feeling that like if we just get enough people in front of the TV, you know, if there's just enough different bodies and like Uh that's fine, but like it also is different than real activism, you know, like representation is very important. Like, it's important in a different way. It's important for a different reason than, like, grassroots activism is, right? And, I mean, I think that the difference between the two movies shows that. Mm. Representation in the 80s movie, I mean, again, race issues are a whole thing. Like, you know, I'm not even talking about race representation in this because I wouldn't call either of these. I mean, again, Queen Latifah could do whatever the fuck she wants. I'll watch her anything. (laughs) And there's some great performances, certainly. Equalizer. (laughs) I wish I could say what channel was on. Like, ABC, 10 p.m. Watch it. I don't have any idea what it is. But, like... I'm much more intrigued by seeing, shoot, what's the the actress's name in the first one? Oh, Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake and Divine have their relationship than I am in the new one because Mm -hmm. the old one is like, even though Divine is like a drag queen playing a fat mom and Ricky Lake is like a fat girl with like this bizarre (laughs) hair and like it's all, you know, it's like still campy, but it's like... I don't know. It's more interesting. It gets at something a little bit deeper. Like, I mean, I love her in the new one. She's such a little Little cutie. Nikki Blonsky. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, I love little yeah. Nikki Blonsky. But, like, seeing her and John Travolta, it's not quite the same. I don't feel like that's that rep in John Travolta. <laughs> Definitely you know I mean? that's not. And, like, Nikki Blonsky's great, but also she has to play this, like, hyper-feminine, like, very acceptable yeah. fat girl. Not that there's anything wrong with being a hyper-feminine fat girl. And she's the most talented. She's, like, the, the mo- yeah. most talented and she has to be more I mean the effort and the time and the amount of talent that has to go into doing the performance of Tracy Turnblad in the musical is really different than you know like certainly most of the dancers in the 80s film are like amateurs or you know I think there's a few professional dancers in there but I think that you know like Ricky Lake's not a professional dancer whereas like Nikki Blonsky I think was on Broadway already you know like she's yeah she's already doing all sorts of stuff and it's like a big performance yeah Yeah, but I think like you know I really liked seeing Ricky Lake again and being like oh that's right like you have this crazy hair and you have these bad outfits you know like not even bad but just like wild outfits like at the end she and Divine are in matching like pencil skirts that go right up to under their boobs and then they're just covered in like cheap crepe flowers on top yes I love those outfits. Aren't those fantastic? It's so silly. <laughs> oh my God. So much better than the like weird matching ones, the glitter <gasps> matching ones that I they have in the new ones. Those. They look I so cheap. It. They make all of the ones that Nikki Blonsky has to wear like sheets. sheets. Yeah. They don't like go in at all at her waist. It's like very 2000s. Yeah. There's like one outfit that she wears right at the beginning where she zips up her skirt that's like you know, allows her to have like any noticeable fupa, for example. Exactly. And the rest of it's just like big A-line dresses, which I love A-line dresses, yeah. but I don't want to see but that But it's, it's not as subversive. And I think like, you know, I don't know. They're very different times. Obviously, rhetoric about fatness is starting to get like more sort of incisive, sort of post-80s. And like, 
Ricky Lake had a really hard go of it. Like she was the poster child for crash dieting. She lost like a hundred pounds in the early nineties and then she gained weight back and she got pregnant and then she had to go on talk shows and promise that she was going to try to lose weight again. And then she became the face of like two diets. Then she maintained. So then she's like a success story. And then she had like alopecia and she like shaved her head. Like she's been through so much image wise post hairspray. And I don't want to say like as a result of hairspray because that's a pretty hard line to draw I think yeah but it is interesting that like you know I mean Ricky Lake's performance is more subversive her body's treated more subversively and then she has this like really painful trajectory like as well that I don't know is at least reflective of something about that you know yeah I mean Nikki Blonsky didn't get much to do after this one either I mean that was another thing I did want to note that like it does suck that both of these actresses got this role that's like literally the fat role in musicals yeah. or you know on, I mean the first one's on a musical but like then they didn't get much else yeah. afterwards I think Nikki Blonsky did like what was it she that show. like huge that show that was on yeah, something, yeah. for a minute and then she did like she did that show queen sized like she pretty much got pigeonholed into being the fat girl and like okay but what a shame because she's got such range well sorry look at Kevin James career you're telling me Nikki Blonsky couldn't have more roles yeah. come on <laughs> Excellent Maybe point. Kevin can wait and we can't have Nikki Blonsky in a sitcom. Oh, come on. You know? I know. Someone give this girl a best friend role. <laughs> Literally. Please. For oh. the love of God. Okay, to wrap up, mm. do you think this movie is good for the fats? I think that if you already like this movie, nobody's going to take it away from you, but... I think Mm -hmm. that this movie will, if you're new to Hairspray, I don't think this movie is going to give you like any especially nice fat feelings. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think it's bad for the fats. I think if you watch it extremely uncritically, Mm. it's fun. I think if you watch the first one, there's a lot more interesting stuff to talk about. So if you have never watched the first one, I recommend. But overall, it's pretty hard to see past that stuff. Like, I, like, screamed when she hit the top. I hate to keep harping on it because I feel like it makes me sound like such a, like, good white activist or whatever. But I'm sorry. You can't do that. What are you doing? The fact that she runs away and everyone else gets arrested is the part that made me so angry. Oh, so mad. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, that's our hero? Yeah, right. She's our hero? She, her? <laughs> she just smack a cop and then run away and let Queen Latifah get arrested? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I would know. Over my dead body is Queen Latifah getting Over arrested. Over my dead body. <laughs> You take me away before you take run, Queen Latifah. Run, Motormouth Maybell. <laughs> run, Queen Latifah. It really clearly got it got me so yeah. bad. I don't yeah. even know why. But I still enjoyed both these movies. I really enjoyed the John Waters one. It made me think about Cry Baby, which I've also seen. Can't rack because of Johnny Depp. But there's some interesting like fat stuff in that one mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, maybe we should do a whole episode about camp yeah. sometime. Oh, also, you know, if you want to see Amanda Bynes in a good moment. Oh, my God. And she's so I good in I'm this. I'm about that, too. Yes, she is in this and very cute in this. I love her dress at the end with, wow. like, the little rings on the bottom connecting to the other half of the dress. It's very it's so cute. cute. We'll have to post a pic in the story so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that is one thing I do love about these movies is a thin, pretty girl as the sidekick mm-hmm. character to the main fat girl. That's very that fun to me. That is very fun. I, we didn't even mention that. You're right. 
it. That is really nice. It's, she's never like jealous or mean. She's always just she's supportive and glad. Yeah. Like there's a great line where Tracy's like, I'm so excited to audition. And she's like, I'm so excited to watch you audition. <laughs> yes. It's very yeah. cute. And whoever it is in the first one is fun too. So yeah. Very similar vibes. Amanda Bynes was a good cast. Totally to, captured like, it. Like a real one vibes. for one. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now that we've done Hairspray, I feel like we've really covered the ultimate fat movie because that's what people always ask me about if we've talked about Hairspray. Right. Isn't that weird? I guess like it's the fat touchstone. You people know. People are always like, you know what fat people are in? Hairspray. <laughs> you talking about Hairspray? I, always like, Not that's yet. like when people are like, you look just like Adele because they can't think of any fat people to compare you to. No one's ever told me that. I don't think I look like Adele. I'm not as pretty as Adele. I mean, I also look <laughs> I nothing like is. Adele. So <laughs> I look, I couldn't look less like her. But you're like in her. England. It might be more of the thing. No, I used to get this in Chicago. Really? In Atlanta. I've never had anyone do that. I believe you, but I've never had anyone tell mm. me I look like Adele. I don't think people usually tell me I look like anyone. Yeah. I wish that no one ever would tell me that I look like anyone. I know. God, now I'm thinking about all these other things. Let's tie a little bow on Hairspray. What do you have to finish up Hairspray with? I think it would be nice if Lynn played us out with this, the beautiful finale song, Without Love, because how else could we get by <laughs> in this world? <laughs> but that's just my so opinion. So true. <laughs> Lynn, hit it. <laughs> And that's the episode. And here are some of our beloved patrons. Thank you to Marielle Elizabeth. I love her. My fave. <laughs> Ursula Fasti. Naja Kaz. Olivia Dennison. Joe. Mary England. My pal, Devin Maloney. Clara Stefanov Wagner. Amanda Jensen. And Lindsay Menk. We could not make the show without you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions at fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 213-375-5023 and we might even play it on the pod. Our episode ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish and our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Lynn Barbera co-produced and edited this episode. Yelly Cruz is our magical junior producer. Our thin crony forever is Maria Vertel. I'm our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe. We love you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 